I am excited. I've had an amazing past couple of weeks. We had Easter, then we had our youth retreat, and then we had baptisms, and I got to go to a concert last night, all these words that Shaq was talking about, and now I am here, and I am ready to preach. My name is Blaine Hewitt. I'm the youth pastor here. If you do not know me, it's so nice to meet you guys. Um, yeah, it's nice to meet everybody here. So I, I'm really excited to preach today. I'm really, really excited to preach today. And I also want to say this is that um, it's an, it is an honor to be a part of Abundant Life. And what I like talked about with just Easter and the baptisms and like, I just feel like God is up to something great. God is up to something special. God is up to something awesome. And I, and I know I say this a lot. But I think it's because I truly, truly believe it, is that the best is truly yet to come. That God is just getting started, that God is just getting started with what he's doing here at Abundant Life. And I mean, like, let's just stay tuned in to, like, see what he has for us. And I, it, it is an honor to be a part of it. I am humbled by it. I'm humbled that I get to be you pastor here. I'm humbled by all of you guys. Um, I'm going to talk about it later, but I feel like God just did something amazing on Saturday night at our retreat. And I just want to say thank you for all your prayers. Thank you guys for just being there and supporting us. I'm going to talk about it later, but God showed up greatly. I mean, in the, the past week. So I, um, yeah, so thank you guys so much for your support and your prayers. I also do want to always say I love you guys. You guys are great. Pastor Shane and Mary, um, thank you for letting me do this. And like, yeah, I mean, oh, hey, you're great. And um, so... It's just like that awkward, like, pastor, like, you know, yeah, pastor just going back and forth, complimenting each other. So, um, but I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump in. So, dear Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for um, what you're doing. Thank you so much that you are here in our midst, God. I pray that everybody in this room would get a word from you, God. That, that everybody here would have a face-to-face -face encounter with the God who loves them and a God who cares for them. Thank you so much that you are here in this moment, God. And I pray that if anybody is facing anything that is just stressing them out or making them anxious, maybe they're even scared just to go home today, just to face what is maybe at home, God. I pray that, that you would give them an overwhelming amount of peace, that they, that they would know that you are here, God. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. So I, I don't purposely do this, and I don't mean to do this. But like every time I preach, I, I always seem, to, at least this year, is to talk about all of my like sporting escapades. So, um, so one day, it, I think it was a few years after high school or maybe a year after high school, I, cannot, I can't really remember, but me, Chase, and Danny all decide to go snowboarding. We all decide to go snowboarding and Chase and Danny are very experienced and on our way up to, I think it's Brandywine, I can't remember. Maybe there's a reason I can't remember, but um, as, as we were on our way up, Chase asked me this question, Blaine, what is your experience with snowboarding? And I snowboarded one time at the Grable's house, and so what I tell Chase, what I tell Chase is, I'm really good. I'm really good. Hey, don't gotta worry about me. Just throw me out there. We'll see what happens. Am I right? And so I tell Chase this. I have no idea why. I, I, I actually I do. I will tell you why. But um, so as as we're as we're going up, Chase takes me to the medium hill. I don't know what you would call that. Chase takes us up the medium hill. We're going up the ski lift, and Chase quickly realizes Blaine is not good at snowboarding. So. Snowboarding is, is if anybody's gone, is that you do like the zigzag to help with speed. Does anybody, you know, like to, 
Did anybody get it? Okay, I, I don't know, I really don't know. I'm, I'm telling you as much as I know. So, zigzagging, zigzagging, and so Chase, I mean like, Chase is like very patient with me, because every single time I tried to turn, I'd fall flat on my face. So zigzag, boom, zigzag, boom, zigzag, boom. So Chase is, you know, like, like nonchalantly just kind of snowboarding around me, trying to help me out, and at like, I don't know, at a certain point, I just was like, screw it, I'm gonna get up and I'm just gonna go. And so I forgot to say this too, is that we're actually wearing t-shirts while we are snowboarding because it was that weird Ohio weather that's really cold one day and then really warm the next. And so the snow's on the ground, but we can wear t-shirts. So I just, I just get up and I'm just like, I'm going. And so I just go straight down this hill and I am flying. <laughs> like I'm like, I'm going so fast. And then I realize in my mind, I'm like, I have no idea how to stop. I have no idea how to stop because you actually have to get taught that too, which I didn't know. It's like, it's a snowboard, like you just should stop. And, um, and so as I'm thinking this, I'm like, I have no idea how to stop. Man, I'm going really fast. I peer out of the side of my eye and I see a woman and a baby walking like in my line. Like we're gonna, we're gonna meet head on. And I'm like, oh my gosh, not only do I not know how to stop, I'm gonna kill somebody while I do this. And so all I can think of is that I'm just gonna go flat in my face. That's the best thing that I can do. And so like right before I reach this mom and this baby, I just face plant right into the ground. And I get up and I just look right at them. I don't even know why, I just like look right at them. And like made eye contact with them. And then I look down and I'm bleeding from my forearms. <laughs> And I'm like, I probably look like this crazed person just rolling through snow, bleeding out of my arms. And then Chase, of course, just comes down and goes, hey, buddy, like, how's it going? And um, we spent the rest of the day on the bunny dose. <laughs> and Chase, again, very, very patient, just, you know, helping me out, working me down the hill. And um, yeah, and so we just spent the rest of the day. And I'll be honest, I did not get any better. Still just fall on my face. And um, yeah, and so yeah, and so I and I, so I've been thinking about this recently, and I've been thinking about this a lot. Is that like I seem to try to prove something to everybody, to everybody. And so when Chase asked me, Blaine, are you good at snowboarding? My idea is I have to show Chase that I am good, and so I'm going to tell him that I'm good, even though the result is not that. And. Um, <laughs> And, but I, I mean like seriously, like I'm trying to prove myself to everybody, everything that I do, even as simple as that as snowboarding, I'm trying to show that I'm a, I'm a good public speaker, that I'm a good pastor, that I deserve to have this stuff happen to me, that I'm trying to prove to you that when we baptize seven kids, like I am good enough for that. Or like I'm trying to show you that I did a good job or that just so many different things. And, and even in high school, like I was trying to prove that I'm a good basketball player. I'm trying to prove that I'm a good person, keep my reputation, even to the point that it affects my relationships. Like I am trying to constantly, and I feel this, and it's nothing that she says or she does, but I feel like I'm always trying to prove myself to faith, that I would be a good spouse, that I can be a good husband. I mean, she's going to marry me. And I mean, like, yeah, I got some work to do, maybe, but, um, <laughs> but, but like, I, I, I just always feel like I am trying to prove myself to everybody. Like, just like, look at me, look how good I am, and so that I can get validation from them. And, I, and, I, and then it even makes me do out-of-character things because of it. 
Like I start to do things that, that maybe aren't like what I should be doing or things that I shouldn't be saying. And I, and I think there's too like this, this level of self-preservation to it. Like I want to make sure that I'm good enough or that like my reputation is on hold or like just like that, that I am okay or I'm safe and there's only so far that I will go and so that I am okay. But the biggest hindrance to this, the biggest thing that always affects this that I've noticed too, is my relationship with God. That me trying to prove myself to everybody, me trying to prove myself to you, it, 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 and then ultimately I'm just trying to prove myself to God. I'm trying to prove myself that I'm worthy of love, that I'm worthy to be sought after, that I'm worthy to, for Jesus to die for me. I'm worthy enough that, that, that God would invite me into his family. Like I'm trying to work for my relationship with God. I'm trying to prove myself to him so that he knows that he can care for me and that he can love me. And so what we're, and so what we're gonna go after today is this. Is this and so the Bible verses we're going to read is all about Jesus's baptisms, it, or Jesus's baptism. You got one, um, but so we're going to read Matthew three thirteen through seventeen to start off. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have would have prevented him, saying, "I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me?" But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill, sorry, then he consented to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And then when Jesus, I'm sorry, I'm okay. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is the verse that we're going after today. This is the saying that we're going after today is, this is my beloved son with, who, with, with whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. So <clears throat> let's just break this down. And the first statement says, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved son. See, you see here is that this, this statement just isn't just meaning to Jesus, that this statement actually impacts us. That you see now we have a God that not only, that actually claims us as his son, as his daughter. God has claimed you and he has said this about you. Maybe you've been rejected by a family member, maybe by a mom or a dad. I don't know your story, but maybe even somebody. But I just want you to know that we do not have a God in heaven that rejects you. No, he has claimed you. He has called you his son. He has called you his daughter. He now, you are a part of his family. He has claimed you. He has invited you into the family. And so Romans 8, 14 through 17, it says this. Okay. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as son, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified by with him. Let me go back. One verse. 
I think this is amazing. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You don't have to be, have fear of being rejected by God. You don't have to have fear of that he will shut you out of the family. No, he has adopted you into his family. Now all of us are now sons and daughters of God. How amazing is it that the God of the universe, that the kingdom, that the king of heaven does not shoo, shoo you away and say, no, you and I are part of my family. No, he has actually laid claim to your life. He has laid claim to you. And now we can be a part of his his family. He has called you son. He has called you daughter. Amen. And not only now do we have a father that calls you and claims you as his own, we have a father that is deeply in love with you. This is my son with whom I love, with who I love. We have a God that is not only a father to you, that has laid claim to you, but also is deeply in love with you that loves you and that cares for you, he is not just there, but no, he actually loves you so much. In John 3, 16, it says this, like a lot of us have heard, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So not only do we have a God that is a father, not only do we have a God that loves you, but he actually lovingly pursues you so much so that he died on the cross for you. So much so that he died on the cross for you. So not only are he, he is a father that loves, but he is also a father that pursues you lovingly. <clears throat> and now there is also nothing that can separate us from his love. This father, this, 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 <clears throat> this, this father loves us so much, and now we cannot be separated by his love. In Romans 8, 38 and 39 says this, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So now, not only do we have a father, we also have a father that loves you. We have a father that actually loves you so much that he pursues you on the cross. Now we have a father that now we have a father that loves you, that he pursues you, he lovingly pursues you. And now there is nothing that can separate you from his love. And so there is all of this now working together. And <clears throat> isn't it amazing? Nothing now can separate you from the love of God. Nothing now can separate you from the love of God because of what He has done. For us, And now that, lay, that leads us to our last section of this saying. <clears throat> so this is my son, with whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. With whom I am well pleased. With whom I am well pleased. Isn't this the hardest one to even understand? Like, isn't this the hardest one to get? Like, okay, I have a father. I, I am loved by him. But not only does he love me, but he's actually pleased with me. But I, but I know who I am. Like, I know what I've done. I know what I've said this week. I know all the highs and lows that I've been through. And, like, is he really pleased with me? Is he really pleased with me? And haven't I let down God so many different times? Haven't I let him down, like, like just in all the things that I've done? And yet he decides to say he is pleased with me. But, but, but I think that's the, that's the hard thing is that God's pleasure in us is not based upon our performance. God saying that he is pleased with you and I is not based upon what we have done. Does anybody know how many miracles Jesus performed when, when God said this to him? Does anybody know? Zero. 
Jesus performed zero miracles up until this point. He performed zero miracles. And God still says, I love him and I am pleased with him. I mean, like, let's just think about it. Out of the potential of humanity, wouldn't Jesus have the highest? Like, I mean, at this point, he's 30 years old. I'm not saying anything against being a carpenter, but like he was just a carpenter. I mean, like this dude is the son of God. Like, you know, like if you had that, like, what would you do? You know, like, and, and, and yet, and yet, before Jesus does anything, before Jesus does anything, before any miracles or any people that he helps, God looks at him and says, I am well pleased with him. And, 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 and I, wouldn't you think too, wouldn't this come at the end of Jesus's ministry? Wouldn't this come after the cross? Wouldn't this come after he did some things or after some miracles? No, no, no. I think that this actually shows that this is where ministry and us actually are supposed to be set up. I am not working for God to be pleased with me or to love me or for him to claim me. No, no, no. That is where I start from. That is where I start from. And so when I work with people and I help with people, or when I'm trying to bring light into this dark world, I am not working from a place of I'm trying to earn the love and acceptance of God. No, no, no. It is already there, and He is loved. You are loved, and He is well pleased with you. And you can even see this in the cross and what He did for us. You can even see in the cross and what He did for us in Romans 5, 8, it says this. But God shows us God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus decided to die for you and for me even before we decided to say yes to him. Jesus, I mean, honestly kind of died on a maybe because he didn't know if we were going to say yes or no to him, but he still did it anyway. And he still went to the cross for you and for me. So it is not based upon our performance. No, God pursues us and he loves us and is well pleased with us despite our performance, despite our performance. And he gave his life as a choice for you and for me. It was not the plans of human hands. No, it was his choice. And in John 10, 17 and 18, it says this, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. And this charge I have received from my father. You see the see the the way that I know that I can I cannot let God down is because I am not holding him up in the first place. You see I did not decide to give myself this identity. God has actually given it for me. I have not decided for Jesus to die on the cross for me. Jesus has decided to do that for me. Now my job is to accept it. And if I am not the one who gave it, can I actually be the one that takes it away? Jesus has decided to give you this. Jesus has decided to give you this identity. Jesus has decided to give you the cross, and he loves you, and he cares for you. <clears throat> I am not the one that is holding him up. And so I have nothing to lose. I have nothing to lose. No matter what I've done, no matter what I said, I have nothing to lose, and nobody can take it from me because Jesus has decided to give this to me. And now I can rest in knowing the fact that I have a God who loves me and is well pleased with me despite my performance. And so I have nothing to lose. And so at the end of all this, too, I have nothing to prove. I have nothing to prove to nobody. I have nothing to prove. Like, I'm not saying, like, you shouldn't shower or, like, brush your teeth or, like, smell good. 
or like be nice to people. What I'm saying is this, is that you have nothing to prove to anybody. When you're working or when you're doing something, you don't have to prove anything to anybody. You have a Father in Heaven who loves you and who cares for you. You have nothing to prove to anybody. And so we don't have to work for the acceptance and the love of anybody else. No. We have nothing to prove to anybody. And also, we have nothing to prove to ourselves. You know what I realized is, while I am, while I am, um, you know what I realized is that in the midst of this, in the midst of me trying to prove myself to everybody, is that truly I was just trying to prove it to myself this whole time. That I was trying to prove that I was worthy of love. That I was trying to prove that I could be loved by God. That I, that I am good at what I do. That I'm just trying to prove myself to myself. And then in my pursuit of me trying to, trying to make sure that other people know that I'm good, is that I'm really just trying to let, I'm just trying to let myself know that I am. And, and maybe in the midst of that, too, is the reason that I'm trying to prove myself to everybody and the reason that I'm working so hard to prove that I'm good at what I do and I deserve what I do is because, honestly, in the long run, I really think I'm going to screw it up. And so all the good things that happen and, 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 it, and all the good things that happen, I just like, it's, it's only going gonna, gonna to end at some point because I know that I know who I am. And, and there's this constant battle. There's this constant battle in my brain. And, and when I hear a message like this or when I read this verse and I felt like I needed to talk about this, it even rubbed me the wrong way because I'm like, do I really have a God that, or do I really believe that God is pleased with me? Because I'm still trying to prove this to myself. And, I, and honestly, I'm really scared to lose this. I'm really scared to lose this I'm trying to prove everything to everybody because what will happen if I do? What will life look like if I'm actually free from this? What, what will happen? Will, will all of a sudden my reputation be lost? Will, what will it look like? And I, and I think that's that self-preservation coming back again. But, but there's just been this quote that has just been really, really in my brain that has just um, got to me. And this pastor said, this, he said this quote, he said, who am I doing it for? If I'm doing it for people, or if I'm doing it for the applause of people, I will always be rewarded by people. But if I'm doing it for God, I will be rewarded by God. And so I had to reevaluate. I had to look at my life and, and I had to decide, am I actually doing it for God? Or am I actually doing it from a place of approval that he loves me and that he cares for me, that he is well pleased with me? Or am I just doing it so that people, I will be rewarded by people? <clears throat> and, and so in all of this, I'm trying to almost lose, I'm almost trying to lose myself in all of this. And, and there's this verse that I want to end with, and it says this. And it's in Luke John Luke, sorry, Luke 17, 33, it says this. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. Whoever, but whoever loses his life will keep it. Isn't that like really hard to even think about? Or even to come to grasp to grasp with? It seems like that there is almost like this life that I have to leave behind or this identity that I have to leave behind to actually gain the identity that God has given to me. 
That there, there is something that I must drop to actually gain what God has for me. And he honestly has the best possible life that he wants for me. <clears throat> and so I have nothing to lose. You, God has decided that you are part of his family. God has decided that he loves you. God has already decided that you are part of his family. And he has gone to the cross for you. You have nothing to prove. You have nothing to prove to anybody. God has already given you his God has already given you his acceptance, but you have everything to gain. You have everything to gain and that God wants to give you the life and the identity and the purpose and the understanding of who you are today. You have everything to gain. That there is a life that God is calling you in today that you can leave behind that old identity that you have held on to for so long, like I am trying to do also. And so we have everything to gain in this life, and that is all from God. You know, on Saturday night, like I was talking about earlier, when we were having our youth retreat, and I spoke a similar message to this. And then we sang a song, and everybody's crying, everybody's emotional, and it was amazing. It was awesome, and God really showed up. And during the week, though, all I could think about is, how can I produce this more? How can I produce this more? And I started to think about it. And I was like, is it because I pray so much? Or is it because I prayed this way? Or is it because I fasted, you know, because I'm so holy? But like, but all I could think about was this, is that it was a moment where it was completely out of my control. It was a moment that it was way bigger than anything that I could do or that I could produce. And so it seems like that it was, that it was not on me is that there is a God who loved all those students that night, that he wanted to show up and have a face-to-face -face encounter with them. And all we could do is just sit back and watch as God does his work. And that is the life that I want to lead. It's not a life that I'm controlling because I'm trying to prove to everybody whatever I can do, but no, a life that is let loose by God and that he shows up to stuff like on a Saturday night where kids are meeting him and where kids are just being able to do that. And so let's lead a life like that. Let's lose control of our lives and who we're trying to prove ourselves to and gain the life that God wants us to have. Because he loves us, that we are his son and we are his daughter. He loves us and he is well pleased with us.